So there's no magic with this. There's no EXIF data. There is no reverse image search. It's worrying that you got so close so quick. Let's do something different. Let's uh, see if you can find an image of Nessie. Hey everyone, it's David Bombal, back with my friends from Ocean Curious. Lizette, welcome. Stephen, welcome. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. Good to be here. So what do we get? What do we got planned today? Because I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to continue looking at open source intelligence, uh, but today we're going to look at one particular skill, and that is the idea of geolocation, where you're given a image or from a photo or a video, and we have to figure out whereabouts in the world it was taken. So this is really scary. I have given Stephen and Lizette some of my photos and they're gonna try and track me down. So I can't hide. I think this is a warning, isn't it? For anyone who posts stuff on social media. Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you posted a picture of you hiding in a cave and then Micah, who was there the last time, geolocated you quite quickly, which was a, a, a good hunt for us to start again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in this video, you're going to kind of, are you going to teach us how you do this? Is that is that right? Yes. There are lots of different ways to geolocate an image, and we'll we'll look at different techniques. Some are easier, some are harder, but there's a lot of different ways to approach it. But the the end goal is always to find out where someone was or where an image was taken, and then try and verify as best we can that it's accurate. Okay, let's start with the first one. So here we have a picture of you, David, standing in front of this Egyptian kind of wall. And looking at the lighting and also the part that is visible on the right side, I could indicate this wasn't actually in like outside Egypt. It was in a building because I can see the lights in the ceiling. I can see that there are other things there as well. So I can assume this might be a museum or at least an indoor area where there was a piece of this Egyptian wall. So one of the ways to see where a picture was taken is by doing a reverse image search. So a reverse image search can be practically done by Google, Bing, Yandex and TinEye. It's probably the top four where you want to go if you want to do a reverse image search. So a reverse image search is asking the search engine if they can recognize an image, if it might be anywhere in the data they have stored so far. So we're not searching with words or letters or numbers, we're actually searching with a picture. And it's going to be looking at some of the fragments of a photo or a picture to see if it can relate to something they have already in their data set. And I like to use Bing for a number of reasons. So when you're at bing.com, in the search bar, there are three icons indicating on the right. So, and the middle icon is the one I want to use because you have the option to either put in a live URL to upload a photo or to even take a photo with your webcam, for example, but we're going to be uploading the image we just saw of David. And now it's going to be seeing if it maybe recognizes the photo from anywhere else. And the result we're getting is a lot of pictures of people standing in front of a beige colored wall with probably some encryptions in there, like the one David is standing in front of, but none of them are exactly the same as the one David is in. So there are two ways to go. The first one would be to do a visual search. So underneath David's picture on the left, we have an option called visual search. 
there will be a frame placed over the photo and we can adjust the shape of the frame and let it focus on other aspects of the photo. So we can maybe focus on one of the pieces of the wall to see if it maybe will find a matching piece of wall. But we're not still not getting the right result. Like all of them look a little bit the same, but not exactly the same. And one of the ways to improve the reverse image search is by cleaning up a picture. And trust me, you don't have to do any Photoshopping skills or whatsoever, because there are actually two great websites that can help you out. There is a website called remove.bg, which can help you remove the background of a photo. In this case, then David would be the person lighting up. But we already know it's David. So David is actually the person we want to remove from the photo. And then we're going to be using cleanup.pictures, which is a online free tool. You can upload a photo to it. And as you can see on the example where you can see the paper and the ruler and stuff, you can actually erase stuff of the photo. Like if you think there would be a great way, like if you have a photo of somebody hiding behind a van, you can remove the van and see the person behind it. That's not going to happen. It's going to be using artificial intelligence to color in whatever you're removing. So we're going to be uploading David's photo here. And now we're going to be using the eraser function to erase David from the photo. Try to be as precise as you can be. Be blurring. There we go. It makes a guess of the color that would be behind you. But now we have a full image of the wall you were standing in front of. So now if we take a screenshot or we download the photo as we see it here, there we go. And then we go back to Bing and we're going to be uploading it again. So now the first image we're getting, we already see that there are like three or four significant like bricks and we see them in the first photo as well. And if you now open up the first result and now we have the exact same wall David was standing in front of, and now we can find out where it was taken. In the purple, it says description. And at the end, it says in Oxford. If you go to the Flickr page, it has the exact uh, museum name. So that's how we found it out. So at first we did this reverse image search where David was still in the picture and Bing was only showing me other people standing in front of a beige colored wall, probably with Egyptian figurines on it, but it was not giving me the exact same thing. And sometimes you need to clean up a picture in order to get to that result where you were looking for. So in this case, we removed David without any Photoshopping skills, just by using a free tool available on a website and we were able to locate where this picture was taken. And that's a very relatively easy way to geolocate something by using a reverse image uh, search. I wanted to ask you, can we look on Google? If you, if you go Google Maps, can we look at Ashmolean? Because they've probably got it right there. Yeah, let's, uh, let's have a look at Google Maps. Places like museums and, and places of public interest have a lot more um, additional photos in them. Okay, so here is the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford. If I turn on Street View, you see we've got all these photospheres on the inside that people have taken. So these are all fixed, so we can't move around, but... Because yeah, some of the museums allow you to walk around inside of them. Yeah, right? and this 
This one doesn't. It seems to. Let's see though. You can figure out. Now this looks less Egyptian. This part of the museum. Yeah, obviously here we're relying on someone taking a photo, aren't we? Yeah, if if there's one in there. Although sometimes in museum they they post what kind of collections they have, and they sometimes that's put, true. Yeah. Uh, photos of the collections they have as well, and we could maybe find the image there as well. But I haven't in my search for this. I was just really happy to find the exact museum where it was. Google, you have obviously Google Street View, but you get user uploaded photos as well. So when you click on the location, so if I select the Ashmolean Museum, I can see all these photos here. Oh, Street View and 360. Uh, so these so these are all the 360 views. I wonder if you type Ashmolean Egyptian, they might have the, because um, the Egyptian thing is normally, it's normally there quite often. We'll look at their website and then, oh yeah, we've got loads of, um, this looks kind of promising. So you learn so much in open source intelligence, right? So what is this? What are the galleries on the ground floor? Right. I would, I'm trying to see if it has some something like, you know, um, a 3D view or something like that. So it's actually got quite a lot of Egyptian stuff. I found it. I put it in a chat. It's not a 360, but it's the same wall. So this is from uh, a review, looks like a review website, Amazing Days Out. This is the same thing, but seen from a different angle. I guess that kind of helps with the verification aspect of it as well. So we had our hunch about where it was, but we actually need to prove where it was uh, so we can use other sources to do that. So if you go to the original photo, I thought behind my knees, there's a sign there. I yeah. thought that would be a dead giveaway. Did that help you as well? Did that kind of like hint towards it? No. Or did you just realize, oh, straight away it's a museum? I realized straight away it was a museum because we can see that there were other areas like on the right where you can see the lighting and it looks like museum-ish. Sometimes yeah. you see these ex exhibitions at airports, for example. But for me, it felt more like a museum. Googling for where in the world museums have Egyptian uh, expositions or where they have pieces of wall available, that could be one of the paths to go as well. But I thought it would be more fun to do a reverse image Much search and to figure out was, if I can that find was it great. that way. Gee, that was a great, great example. I, I really like that. Yeah. Cleaning up and reverse image thing was brilliant because that's not something I've, I've seen people do. I've solved like 90% of the photos you've signed up upon um, by doing a reverse image search. It was like really easy. So for this picture, for some reason, I assumed this wasn't the UK. Because for me, <laughs> the sea was like too blue and the skies were too bright. <laughs> no That's offense right. to all of the UK people. But I, on the other hand, I've never been to all of the coastlines in the UK. So there might be places where the sea is as blue as it is on this picture. But I had my doubts. I guess it would be a lighthouse or a viewing point somewhere because it looked to be higher than the ground level. And of course, there was the coastal line as well. So one of the ways to do this is to like look at every single lighthouse somewhere along the coastline to see if it would batch, but that would take you years and years and years. I took this image and I went to Bing again. And the reason why I did so is because I would be able to have the visual search. So to have the frame that is overlaying the picture and I would be able to crop the picture to 
whatever it is I want Bing to focus upon. Bing is showing us a lot of similar images of people or families. There are most of the time two or three people in a photo next to what seems to be a fence or a railing overlooking a coastal line. But none of them are matching with what we are seeing here. So I did a visual search and I focused on the red pole. It's probably fair to mention that when you crop an image like that in live time and it does, it searches again for you. It's it's more of an art than a science. Like even like a few millimeters either way can cause the computer to find something else. So it's worth absolutely trying um trying a few different angles. So just that I just moved it there a tiny little bit and suddenly get all different results. I think that was the one. I think it was mirrored, but I'm trying to see my yes. Yeah, so there we go. All, all we did that was just move, crop the image, just a few pixels more in the direction, and we yes. found it. So I had this image similar to this one as well. And when looking at the image, I saw that the top of the pole, the shape, like with the little cone, and it was like a square cubicle box, I noticed that those were the same. So I knew that if this picture would didn't take me to the exact lighthouse. It might take me to a lighthouse that was built by the same architect because the exact same railing was used. So at least it would give me a hunch of the location. So in this case, if we click on the visit site, so we now have Agulis and Strausbai. I know, and this is the exact same website, by the way. So we see here the railing and we see the same kind of shape. Well, I don't know if, if it was an advantage, but I've actually been to this location. Uh, I didn't recognize it, by the way, because I've never been up the lighthouse. But I know Cape Agulhas has a lighthouse. And it also explains here in the text, in the, um, it says that this is a small but famous town home to the Agulhas Lighthouse, monuments, etc., etc. Then I googled for the Agulhas Lighthouse to see if indeed the rest of the picture would match as well. And while I placed myself there with Google Street View and looking at the photo squares that were taken there, because Google Street View doesn't go up the lighthouse, but a lot of people went there and they actually took those photos, which we saw earlier, um, which Stephen was showing you at the Lake Loch Ness. And you would be able to either have a 360 view or the opportunity to just view a still frame. And that is what actually helped me confirm the location. So if we now zoom into the little red drop, we see a couple of little uh, blue balls lighting up and we have to just check a couple. And one of them was taken right up on, there we go. We see the yeah. same railing now. So the, these people were like a level further up on the lighthouse. Yes. Yeah, you can see them down there. And then by looking at this image, we can see the coastal line and we can see the houses that are uh, in front of the coastal line and we can match those up with David's picture. There we go. So that's yeah. path and the rocks, yeah. And there's the path and the rocks. So it's a little bit... And we can see that there's a little fence around the white house on the corner left. And that fence is also shown on David, David's photo. Okay, so this helps with the verification part, doesn't it? The bottom left of the image here, it's there. So yeah, we can figure out pretty, we're, with, we're within a few meters or even a few feet of where David was there. 
Yeah, I reckon you just, that photo was just, or that Google thing is just above where we were standing. Yeah. As an estimate, estimation, and of course, I've been doing this for quite a number of times, so I have some experience. This took me about 17 minutes, and it was pure luck because as you guys just saw, looking at Bing, using the visual search, it really comes down to just moving it a little bit and moving it a little bit back, and you suddenly get different results. A part of it is pure luck. A part of it is experience. I wanted to say this. If you go to the neighboring towns uh, page and just go back to where we did the photo searching. So like the third one on the top, this is me obviously knowing exactly. It says Cape Gullis then. If you look at the railings, it's got the silver and the red, kind of like if you go back to the original photo. When you were talking about the railings, I noticed the silver and the red. It's, 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 it's kind of like exactly. It looks like they just took it a little bit around the, a little bit further uh, towards the coast. So we were probably standing a meter away from there. Absolutely. But um, what we're seeing now is the cut Stephen made in the photo uh, which you shared with us is slightly different from the cut that I made. So on the screenshot I took here is the result that I got. So when we were, uh, Stephen was making the rectangle on the visual search in Bing, we got a lot of railings, but on the one I tried, I only get one result where the railing was completely red. So David indicated first at the results Dave, uh, Stephen was getting, sorry, that there was indeed a railing where we had silver bars and we had red poles. But as you can see, the moment I was actually doing this search for the first time, I only get one result with only the red railings and the red posts. And this was for me a great way to see if it might be the same lighthouse or maybe that it was the same architect. So I just wanted to share with you that it can come very narrow to how wide or small or where you drag the uh, rectangular icon in the visual search. A tiny change in cropping can make a big difference. It's probably worth mentioning that the, the main different search engines, so you have Google Images, which incorporates Google Lens now, uh, obviously Bing, as we've seen, and Yandex Images, so that's sort of the big three. They all give different results for different images and they all behave differently. So if you don't get a result that you want or that you're looking for with the first search engine, then try the others. Uh, because they will all give different results. Throw in cropping and you get can get different results again. If you want to speed up this process, so let's say you've seen this video and you think, well, I want to do a reverse image search on specific images you find online. There are add-ons, which are little software pieces you can add on to your browser in order to make the OSINT life easier for you. I really like using RefEye, which is available in Chrome and in Firefox. And just by right-clicking any image, it will give you the opportunity to search for that particular image in four of the search engines. So it searches in Google and Bing, Yandex and TinEye. So TinEye is a search engine only for reverse image purposes. The results aren't, in my experience, that good as I've seen with Google, Bing and Yandex. But sometimes I get a result in TinEye um, as I do not get any result in Bing, Yandex, or Google. There's a tool called Search by Image, uh, which is free, and it runs in Firefox and Chrome. 
So you, you get the add-on for your browser from uh, the Firefox store or from the Chrome store. But it just sits up here like a, a little camera and it works in a couple of different ways. If I have an image here, for example, and I want to do a reverse image search, I don't have to download it to my computer and then re-upload it or paste the URL or anything like that. If I right click and then search by images installed, it will do, uh, it will present me with different options for different reverse image search engines. I can just click on Yandex, for example, it will automatically upload that image to Yandex for me and I'll get lots of different results, which may or may not be what I'm looking for. In terms of workflow, when you're doing that many, many times, it makes life a lot easier. But you can also crop with search by image as well. Click on the little icon up here in the top of your browser. There's a what calls a capture feature, which is the, the cropping feature. So I click on capture, then choose which search engine I want to search with. So I could choose all of them, um, but to stop clogging up my browser, I'll just choose, let's do Google, and then I can select the actual image that I want to search here. So if I just want to focus on one particular detail, let's say this post design here, I'll put a couple of them in, I then click search. It'll take that little cropped image I've just created and pass it to Google Images, um, and then Google will show me what it thinks matches. For regular data, Google is probably the best search engine, uh, or it is the best search engine, really. Uh, but for images, it's actually it's not as good as Yandex and Bing for looking at exact matches. But search by image just sits up there in, in your browser. It just, from a workflow point of view, means you can do something in two or three clicks that you, so you don't have to download an image, re-upload it, copy, paste it, things like that, or crop it in Paint or Photoshop. Um, it just, it's a time saver, especially when you are doing a lot of these. Google is improving their uh, visual search with Google Lens. Although I must say that I'm still not as satisfied with the results as as I am getting them with Bing and Yandex, for example. So Google is stepping up their game, but for me, they aren't there yet. <laughs> Google Image Search and Google Lens were two separate things. So Google Lens, it used to work on your phone, so you could point your phone at something with a phone's camera, and it would tell you what it was. So you could point it at a flower, and it would tell you oh, that's a, like, that's a daisy or that's a daffodil. It will tell you what it was. Only in the last past few months, I want to say, maybe in the last six months or so, it's, you can access that feature in, your, in the Chrome browser now. So if, again, you right-click and it says here, search image with Google Lens. That used to say search image with, with Google reverse image search. And let's see, it works slightly differently. And again, we can do that like little cropping thing in here like you could with Bing. And funny to see is that as you see now that we did a reverse image search of the crop part just in the Google images and it didn't give us such good results as we are using Google Lens now, the results are improving a lot. Because we can actually see that we can recognize the Capergulus title again in all of the pictures. It's <laughs> same company, but a different tool, even though they're, they're very similar. And it, although there's no text here, you can extract text from images as well and it will translate text and images if you're working with foreign languages. Lizette, let's put you to the test. Here's a okay. photo. How long is it? Let's see how long it takes you to find it. Okay. So first I would guess it would be somewhere in the UK because you can see the chimneys and the whole building feels to me like it might be UK-ish, Scotland, I don't know, somewhere on your beautiful island. I would take a reverse image search. I'll probably start at Bing because I can see some of the areas I might want to crop. So I would go to Bing, upload a photo. 
And let me see if there's something similar. Okay. Yeah, I think we already have it. Yes, that one. This one? Can you click that one? Yeah. This is going to take us to a video, I think. Oh, we've got still the video. Oh, but it's giving us a location there, Chalcot Deer Park. And there's a link here. Can you Google for uh, Charlecote Deer Park to see what kind of images it gives you in Google? Okay, yep, okay. So Charlecote Deer, Deer Park, was it? Yes. Charlecote Deer Park. And then go to Google Images to see what kind of... I'll even spell deer correctly, how about that? <laughs> but I think your very first photo on Google was actually the one that was right. I think you're right, I think I... Yeah, so what does the stopwatch say? How much time did I spend? I did that didn't take you very long and we were we were wasting time in between. But I mean that was under a minute. So something so easy like a reverse image search can take you up to like three minutes to guess where somebody is, even though on the picture none of the things except for the building style could give away where it was. We didn't see any street signs, we didn't see any license plates to guess which kind of country it was, anything that might give us a direction in what kind of country it was. So just a simple reverse image search will give you the result where somebody could be. So if you look at this, it looks difficult. I would have thought off, you know, just because, I mean, there's, there's not much to go on except the number, yeah? Yeah. So I looked at the image and I was like, this is probably a bridge because in the upper right corner, I could see that there was like a like a, a top side of the bridge because there was like air behind it and we could go under. It wasn't like a big river. So I assumed it was like a, a, a small canal maybe somewhere. I knew it wasn't in the Netherlands because it like it doesn't look like the style of build we have here where I live. So I just simply Googled for the words canal. 200 bridge and then i look at the google images and it's the third image <laughs> just like that yeah so even though there did it didn't seem that the, there were a lot of pivot points like if the number 200 wouldn't be above the bridge my first guess would be to do a reverse image search to see if i can find similar images where i can find a similar style build of the bridge but in this case, I was like, this is a bridge. There's the number 200. It's a small canal. I'm just going to be typing in three words and see where it takes me. And I was there in less than a minute. Okay, I'm going to try a reverse image search, see what comes up. Even though this isn't the exact same one, it would tell you, let you even figure out which roughly which canal it was or whereabouts in the country it was. So there's that similar bridge, but that looks like number 80. That's number 41. So you probably would figure out where that was. Let's try the next reverse image search. Yandex is kind of a, it's my, usually my first port of call. I haven't been since the war. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Is Yandex in the Ukraine or is it in no, the Russian? No, it's a Russian-based website. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so they, they are Russian-based and owned, and they certainly with their, their regular search results, they filter them to be, so the results tend to be more pro-Russian, although that's presumably less of an issue for images, but... Yeah, there's no, there's no like exact spot match, is there? Do you know what would be interesting? Could you show it in Google? So just like being in Yandex, Google has the option to do a reverse image search as well, where we can upload an image and Google will do the reverse image search. 
other to what other websites do, Google actually looks at the image and tries to identify what it sees on the image. We can see that after the image title, we can see that Google indicated this picture as being leisure. But you can remove that text and make Google focus more on what is happening in the image. So we could example type in bridge 200 and see if the results would be improving. I think the first visually searched is a similar image as well as the first blue URL are the ones we are looking for. So it's bridge 200, uh, station road bridge number 200, Hayes, bridge 200, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Aford Common Bridge. Well, just notice how how differently each search engine behaves in terms of what it thinks you want to see. Um, they're all very very different. Let's do something different. Let's uh, see if you can find an image of Nessie. Kind of gives it away though. It was a bad photo for me to give you guys. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so this <laughs> is uh, this is the first photo you gave us and. Uh, we're going to see how we can find uh, exactly where this was taken. Now, I think we should we should mention first, in fairness, is that shouldn't we? That one of the most common ways people think about geolocating an image is with EXIF data, which is where the GPS coordinates of an image are embedded in the photo. And there are a few different tools you can use to extract that. But the reality of doing internet investigation is that you won't find EXIF data on on most of the photos you find on the web. Because all, all the big um, social media platforms and so on will strip that from an image. So it's good to know it's there and it's really useful. It's very accurate, as long as it hasn't been faked, of course. But most of the images you work with in real life will not have that data there. Uh, and it would be, be quite a boring webcast, I think, if we just sat watching us extracting EXIF data too, right? So. And it could be a red herring, the, the photo. I was just thinking, how do you know that I actually took this anywhere well, near where it's supposed to be taken? Well, exactly. And EXIF data can be edited, so you can change the GPS coordinates in the image and make it appear to be anywhere in the world, really. But that's why it's important when we find somewhere that we have to verify that it's right as well. So th there's two parts to this. The first part is finding where it is, and the second part is actually checking to see if it's right, so we, do, we don't just guess. I took that photo in London. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, I don't, I don't recognise that part of Hyde Park, but maybe. Um, how we want to approach this image is to try and extract as much information from it as we can. So we would look at the background, the foreground, so we see there are hills in the distance. There are there's this huge lake which obviously dominates the picture. There's a valley off um, to the right hand side, and these rocks and the shoreline. Um, so. <laughs> what, what you cannot escape from this picture, of course, is this monster, um, this dinosaur, the Loch Ness monster. We, we should, so there's there's a bit of a contextual clue. Um, if Loch Ness monster was not in this image, it would be harder, uh, but not impossible. It would just take more time to find out whereabouts this was taken. And as you'll see, Loch Ness uh, is a big place. So actually, we're going to find where David took this to within a, a few meters. Um, just using um, some observational techniques. So there's no magic with this. There's no EXIF data. There is no reverse image search. And if you don't know what, what a reverse image search is, we'll look at that um, with some of the other photos. We want to, first of all, not just assume that it's Loch Ness, but actually check that it is by finding Loch Ness on the mapping system and comparing some features we find in the photos um, with, um, with what is there in reality to see if things match up. What we're going to do is 
find Loch Ness, which we, is our hunch where this is, and then look at the features and the photo and then see if we can match them uh, to something. So there's a, there's a few different mapping resources we might want to use. Google Maps is obviously very well known. There are other mapping tools like Bing Maps, but I'm going to introduce a tool that you may already be familiar with, and that's called Google Earth Pro, which is free to use. It runs on uh, Windows, and runs on Mac, and runs on Linux. Basically, Google have created a, a 3D model of the world and overlaid it with um, years and years worth of satellite photos uh, or aerial photos, but also with terrain information as well. So that allows us to recreate a landscape in 3D, which would be really handy when we're trying to uh, we're trying to compare our photo here. Because if you look in the background of this image, we have some really distinctive shape hills, especially this big lumpy one in the middle. And that's quite distinctive, so that will hopefully help us. So this is Google Earth. There is a, um, a browser-based version of Google Earth um, which doesn't have the same level of features, but this is the desktop version. So we'll find Loch Ness, and to do that, we can type in um, up here, Loch Ness, and then Google will tell us where that is, and it will zoom in for us. So this is Loch Ness, but you can see it's actually, it's quite a big lake, um, certainly by UK and European standards, So, but we want to be accurate to within a couple of meters as to where David took this photo. If, if we were trying to find where David was in real life, we want to be as, as accurate as possible. So down here, there are what Google calls different layers. These are different features that you can turn on and off. So we can turn on and off photos, for example. And if we enable photos, we can see images that people have taken at locations around here. If you click on one, you get more of a, a ground level view there, which might come in handy. Uh, we could turn things like roads on and off um, if we wanted to. Google also has a, a 3D terrain feature. And when we zoom in, we can move around a little bit like this. You can actually see, if I go low enough, that it renders the terrain in 3D here. So I'm almost, I'm probably just a few hundred feet off the ground. I reckon. But you can see we have this 3D effect. So when we go back to our image, we want to try and be able to look for these features from David's photograph and match them as best we can to the landscape around Loch Ness. If you look at it from here, all these hills, to someone who has like me, I've not actually been to the area, I don't know Loch Ness particularly well, all these hills look kind of the same from a bird's eye view up here. So we want to try and find something um, that is as distinctive as possible. And the most distinctive feature on here is this hill here. I guess you can see we have all these dozens and dozens of hills, but we want one that really stands out. The more distinctive something is, the higher chance we have of being able to find it on a satellite photo database like Google Earth, or another mapping program. So what I want to be able to do is to recreate in Google Earth a photo with a, in Loch Ness with this huge hill in the background. There are a lot of hills around Loch Ness, for sure. You said you've never been there, yeah? I have never been to Loch Ness, no. Scotland is a beautiful country. Uh, I've been there many times, but I've never actually been to Loch Ness. Kind of a cheat if you know the area. Yeah, absolutely. And in geolocation, there, like sport, there is such a thing as home fixture advantage. Like if you, yeah. <laughs> if there's some areas you know well, although as Lisette will show us actually with one of the other photos, just because you know an area doesn't always make it easier. Um, but in this case, yeah, I've never been here. So because we can um, do things in 3D, I can just by holding the shift key and holding on the mouse button, I can rotate myself here 
to try and recreate the view. So I've put myself right in the middle of Loch Ness as best I can. And if this isn't right, we can move around until, uh, until we find what we need. So zoom down. If I go too far, it'll like pitch me right into ground view level. So that, so this is pretty much ground view level. And then I can just hold the, uh, the shift key and the mouse and spin round. So if I look this way, so I'm looking kind of northeast there. There's a compass in the corner, which will tell me where. Looking that way, it's kind of flat towards that end of the lock. And if we look at the distance here, it actually gets hillier in the distance rather than flatter. So that tells us we're probably not looking in the right direction. We'll pivot round by 180 degrees or so and look up the other end of the lock. And you see, this, this is a little bit uh, a little bit more like we see in the photo. When you're doing this on your own, by the way, it's really useful to have two monitors <laughs> because you can have the, the image on one monitor um, and your tools in the other. It looks more likely we will, that we were looking this way, sort of southwestish, um, along the lock rather than northeast. The thing I want to look for, and you can kind of see it sticking up already, is this really distinctive hill. And from ground level around Loch Ness, there are no other hills really that match the big lumpy hill. So switch back there. You see how distinctive it is standing up above the uh, yeah. the, the mount the mountainside, uh, the lakeside. So we want to say it's probably this hill here because there are not any others that really stand out. So we want to guess it's probably this location, but guessing isn't really good enough. We have to try and verify and be as certain as we can. So to do that, we will pick out some other features. If I stand where David was standing when he took this photo, looking straight ahead, I can see the big hill, which we think we found. To my right, I should be able to see this V-shaped valley on the other side of the lake. And if I'm right, I should be able to see a valley to my right here. It's slightly, the angle's not quite right, so I probably need to, I'll zoom out a bit. I probably need to move back a little bit. And if I, if I come here, and then I'll zoom back in, back down to um, ground level. Actually, that looks a little bit better there. You see, we've got the hill there, so which is in the center, like in David's picture. And we have this valley to the right, and that that is not bad. Let's have a look. So we've got a valley to the right in the correct position. We have the hill in the correct position. We have the lock going off up to the far left on, on this in the distance on this picture. So we should, if we write, be able to see the distant lock in the distance, the forest on the hillside, the big hill in the middle, and the valley on the right. So that is that matches, um, you have to say, except for one thing. Very impressive. Yeah, we know that you, we know you weren't standing in the middle of the lake when you took the picture. You're on the shoreline. <laughs> so I was in London. I told you. <laughs> what we want to do is try and say, right, let's put ourselves in David's shoes as literally as we can. And figure out well, like unless you're on a boat or something, and it doesn't look like you were, actually, because this looks like shoreline and there's waves. And looking at the model of Nessie, it's not very deep here, so we probably will assume that you are at the edge of the water. We'd probably say you were about here somewhere on the shoreline. There's the main road here. We can turn roads back on actually. In fact, fire enable roads. You can see it was the the B eight five two, which is one of the roads alongside Loch Ness. So you're probably, I guess, here, around about here somewhere. Um, this is a photo that someone else took at, at a very similar location. You can see we've got the same hill, say more or less the same view to within a few hundred meters or so. So if I, if you were a fugitive or something, or I was wanting to find out where you were, 
I will probably say to within a few hundred meters, you were along this bit of road here, and I could copy out the GPS coordinates from here and load it into another tool for some more analysis. This, I would say without checking, looks like maybe a, a car parking area or something like that where you would have to park up. Um, but yeah, we would be confident of your position there just by looking at the features in the photo and comparing them to ones we could find in the area. No GPS, anything like that. And for your viewers, we have not pre-consulted on this. You've given us no clues whatsoever. Am I right? <laughs> I hope I am. I would say so, yes, definitely. It's a pity you can't look on Google. Can you put the, the what's it called, the man on the road? And see, I don't know if it shows anything. We can do that in um, in Google Street View. Yeah, I should mention that. If I get low enough to the ground here, if if there is coverage here, it should. Oh, there we go. It's put. It will, should put me in Street View. There we go. It took a while to load. So we go. So this is now Google Street View, which is Google's collection of images that is taken from cars and things like that. So if you move if you move towards the right, uh, like pan round to the right. Yeah. I think there's a footpath right down the side there. Yeah, there you go. So if you go a little bit forward. Okay. I don't know if you can get like a top down without the 3D. You could probably see exactly where we sat. Cool. Yeah. So didn't take you long. Wow. Yeah, I, I think and people look at that and say, okay, well, <laughs> the Loch Ness monster is a clue. Um, it gives you the lake, although Loch Ness is, is a pretty big area. If Loch Ness wasn't there, how else could I find this? Well, it would definitely take me longer, but you'd want to look at the terrain and say, well, it looks, it still looks like the British Isles, um, possibly Northern Europe, somewhere like that. But you would say, well, this isn't Asia. It doesn't look like North America, particularly. Um, so you would come up with a list of big lakes and then try and narrow it down. Um, which would take a little bit longer, but the, the principle uh, would be the same for sure. Can you go to um, Street View just in your browser? Because I think, um, let's see, uh, sorry to take you off track now, let's see. So this is a Loch Ness Monster. And I'll show you something I noticed when I was preparing this, it's really cool. You see the little, uh, the little orange peg man in the corner here, um, which you normally click on to enable Street View. When you get yeah. close to Loch Ness, watch what happens. Like it turned into, see, it's turned into like a little green Nessie, the little little Easter egg from Google. So we click on the Street View icon, and all these areas that are blue are areas that have been captured by a Google Street View car. Um, or these little circles here are user uploaded panoramic photos, which are really good for verification. So we were, I think, we were about here somewhere. In fact, let's put the satellite layer on that makes it a little bit easier to work with um oh here we are a place called Loch Ness View there we are so these are the like little fo photo spheres that users upload um so this this is actually pretty close to where you were I guess yeah there's no Nessie because we put it there but I mean <laughs> but it, um no I actually saw the real one come on you'd not be the first person to see it but then be it because we would struggle <laughs> to verify it so actually, when you look at where we are there, where we worked our way to, and look at that there, like it's you got the mountain, you got the the valley. It's pretty good. That that's probably exactly the place, because the rocks look very similar, don't they? With these one, with the photospheres, you can only pat, you can pan through three hundred and sixty degrees, but you can't move, unfortunately. Whereas the yeah. ones that were taken with a car, you can. And in fact, this one looks like someone's been on a boat, right? The Google Street View boat. Okay, so we can get. So this is quite rare, actually, for people who play GeoGuessr and things like that to have the Google Street View boat, as it were. I guess that we're looking there back towards the shoreline. 
So I've zoom. never seen the boat. It's normally a car or sometimes a bike or even someone with a backpack if it's a hard to reach area, but I've never seen the Google Street View boat. There we go. I can't remember exactly where it was. It's it's either that Loch Ness view or the one like right next to it that we looked at because there's a few of them that are right next yeah, to each other. It's worrying that you got so close so quick. That's just from finding features in the image. Could you show the EXIF data and we can just confirm it? There are many tools which will let you view the EXIF data of an image. This is one I'm going to show just because um, it, it's here. And this is a tool called Forensically. Um, it has a few little like photo uh, inspection tools. Uh, but it has this metadata one here. So I will upload the file from my desktop, this one. And if I click on the metadata tab here, you can see it has all this extra information in there. So it tells us the make model of your phone, which is an iPhone 11 Pro Max, the date and time of the photo. So it was the 28th of August, 2020. But we have all this GPS data embedded in the image. So we have latitude, longitude, uh, the speed at which you're moving, if you're moving even slightly, which way you are facing. And some of these features are fairly new, like you wouldn't have had these on phones and devices even a few years ago. GPS image direction, so it gives us a bearing that you are actually looking at. And there's all sorts of other information about the photo too. So this is really, really useful information. And if I click on the geotags feature here, it will actually pull the tags out and put them on a map for me. There we were by the side of Loch Ness. Our view on Google Maps, let's do that. This should be accurate to within centimeters even. There you are, right on the shore. So yeah, there, there's a lay-by which I guess you parked in. Let's go back to Street View. Yeah, so you park in that lay-by there. So this photosphere here is literally about two, three meters from where you took your photo. Yeah, I think that rock that's just underneath the photo, if you pan right down, is the rock that you see in the picture, maybe. This photographer was stood on, that is probably this rock here, I guess. Which makes, so yeah, you can see the, the big hill in the background, you can see the valley, it's a, a little bit hazier. Um, but yeah, that, that's from the GPS data. It's good to know that GPS data exists because it's a, it's a shortcut to finding a location. But the reality for, for most people that deal with this st stuff you are not going to get images uh, on there. If you upload that photo to Twitter, for example, all the GPS data that we've just looked at will be stripped out. But just because you don't have EXIF data doesn't mean you can't find where things are, definitely. How close were you? You were like within a few meters or like very close. It's those lay There's so many of those little laybys. I think you. it was either that one or the one right next to it is the one that you chose. Yeah, and if, if, if I wanted to know where you'd been, for example, because I was spying on you or you, you're a fugitive on the run and you post the photos on Instagram or something like that would be enough to get your your location to it yeah. to, to the right area um, definitely with patience and with, with tools like Street View uh, you can get a very high degree of accuracy for sure the good thing about social media like you said is the EXIF data is stripped out just for everyone who's interested I put a link to another video that I created where you can actually go onto Flickr and you can find my photos and you can find out where I was you can do that as like a test if you want to do some EXIF data stuff and find out where I was on other photos Flickr is a good place to practice actually because it's dedicated to photography so it leaves all the EXIF data in there so yeah there's, there's lots of good stuff to practice with on there but yeah Facebook Instagram Twitter LinkedIn Unfortunately, all that data is gone. I was going through your photos and of course, I geolocated a bunch, but this one got my attention straight away because probably everybody who sees this probably says, well, this is Amsterdam, but how can I be exact? How can I know for sure it was there? So I took this image and I've been to Amsterdam many, many, many times. 
but I couldn't recognize it straight away saying, well, it's probably at this canal specifically. So this image was quite fun for me to do because I had to focus on a lot of other pivot points in order to confirm that this was indeed in Amsterdam and exactly where it was. So first things I looked at was the light pole on the bridge. It's very typically for Amsterdam. So I Googled it just to be sure that these were the light poles that are used in Amsterdam as well. On the left, you see a parking meter. So I know in Amsterdam there is paid parking and actually all of the parking meters have a zone code in the white little rectangle uh, above the letter P. I can zoom in all I want, but I can never read what numbers there are. There might be a one and a two or a one and a three at the end, but it doesn't get too clear. That's a pity because in Amsterdam, if you Google for the parking zones, it will light up the areas where this parking zone is active. And I would have a very narrow area where I would be able to go on, for example, Google Street View to see if the location would match. This was unfortunately not my best pivot points. So I focused on the houses. A lot of the canal houses in Amsterdam are monuments and you can recognize those by a little um, label, which is often next to the door. But those labels can often be mistaken by family names of people who live in those houses or house numbers. I tried to see if I can find labels indicating that these houses were monuments because there are maps where all of the monument canal houses in Amsterdam are positioned. And if I would be able to indicate something unique, for example, four houses next to each other being a monument, then I would be able to look at the map to see where on the Amsterdam canals four houses would be connected to each other and put myself there with street view to confirm, confirm the location. Also, the picture wasn't clear enough to zoom in that far to see if I can find the house label. So this is probably a house number or um, a, a label indicating which family lives there because I know the monument tags are either square or rectangle. So they would never be oval or round. One of the other things that caught my eye on this photo was the orange canal cruise boat in the canal. If you zoom in, you would only see the name Brussels because most of the canal cruises give their boats names. So I googled to see what kind of canal organization would have a boat named Brussels and it was the Lovers Company. So the Lovers Company uses orange tinted boats in the canals in Amsterdam and of course on their website you can buy tickets to all of the various routes they take in the, to the canals. My best guess was let me take a look at the routes to see where they were going and then follow the routes on Street View in order for me to see if it passes the same direction or if it passes the same area. I also knew that from the area we were focusing on, like from where the person was standing, where the picture was taken, he was on a bridge. So it would be a canal, there would be a, like a crossing of canals because you can see a bridge slightly um, in the bottom right. You can see the like, arch shaped so there's probably a canal going underneath as well so these were my two points to go at and actually as i was cruising in google street view to view where the boat was going and one of the first points where i started because 
from Central Station, which is in the center, all of the canals are laid as an onion around them. And often the canal tours start from Central Station and then go into the canal. So I started at the beginning point of where they start as well. And I did it with this one too. And I immediately landed on exactly this location just by pure luck. It could have taken me far longer if I would have taken the other route uh, which the canal cruises follow as well. I just was very lucky. So this took me over a half an hour to geolocate. Is that good or is that like quite a long time? No, it's quite good. I, I already knew where this was, right? Because I had a hunch yeah. this would either be in Amsterdam or in Utrecht where we have similar view, although the canal yeah. houses are not built that tall. So the person who took the photo was probably standing a little bit more back towards the left, but we can see the light pole, uh, pole here. And we can see the same shaped uh, canal houses as well. And as we can see, there was some work on the canals. Uh, we see some uh, gates that were placed there. So it's not exactly the same time uh, and date as the picture was taken, but we can see that the same shape of houses are still there. So even though this was a very familiar area for me, the moment I was standing here, I was like, I crossed this a million times when I was cycling in Amsterdam. But you never pay any attention to the shape of the houses for some reason, probably. So I didn't recognize it instantly, like this is the exact location. So it took me some time to figure it out. And actually the canal cruise was giving it away because it gave me a good direction on which canals it could have been. Otherwise it could be like, anywhere and i tried to figure out how many canal houses there are but there like there must be over 2000 or something of them <laughs> even though it was a very familiar location i had to pivot onto other points in order to find the exact location so do you think it's easier to do like um cities or is it easier to do like countryside i would say cities generally because there is usually far more information in a urban setting then you get in a, in a rural setting. So in the city, you get cars with license plates to identify countries. You get street signs, you get road names, you get business names, phone numbers on, on billboards. They're all pivot points. They're all research points. You get dumps in the middle of the countryside just because trees, fields, hills are, are much less distinctive. Um, so yeah, urban environments definitely uh, easier. For example, the BBC, especially the uh, the BBC African Eye, they geolocated a video of a couple of military men shooting women in what seems to be like a desert area. And by looking at the mountain ridges, by looking at the kind of crops that was growing there, by looking at the state some of the trees were in to indicate what kind of season it was. And they yeah. spent tons of times on Google Maps, just like Stephen did with Loch Ness, to look at the mountain range to see if it would match with what they saw in the video. And it took them over two weeks. And it only helped them because they received an anonymous tip that it would be in a specific area. And then they narrowed down the search and they were able to match the mountain ranges. But a countryside area, especially when there aren't a lot of pivot points, can take you a lot of time. You both use this term pivot point quite a bit. What, is that, what does that mean? These are aspects within the photo that you could help to locate. So for example, looking at the light pole here in Amsterdam, 
I would go to see, hey, what kind of light poles are used in the Netherlands? Are these specific for a specific area or are they only used in, for example, Amsterdam? Or looking at the number of the parking zone, that would be something for me to take and go to, for example, Google to see if I can find a location on the world where they use that specific kind of thing. So that would be a pivot point. The more you can find, often the easier it is. There, there's a really good exercise actually that helps train people who are new to this sort of thing. I was speaking to someone uh, in the art in the British Army who, who trained in intelligence officers, uh, and this is what was one of his exercises that he recommended. So he would give his students a photo and say, right, I want 20 bits of information from that image. And if it takes you all day, it takes you all day, but you and you'll be amazed if you if you stop and force yourself to look at a photo, you can pull out details which might not seem very relevant, but they have a springboard to go and research something else. So if someone was asking me to geolocate this image in front of me here, I'd say, right, I want 20 bits of information. So you might say, okay. There's a street sign. There's this yellow sign with a B in it. What does that mean? There are yellow license plates. What countries have that? There is a 15 kilometers an hour sign. So which countries have that as a speed limit? Where do I find lampposts that look like this? Where are there lots of bicycles? What does this writing here say? In a photo like this, it's very rich in information. But if you can learn that technique, then you can apply it to photos where there doesn't seem to be so much information. You set yourself a target of, I'm going to write down 10 things in this photo or 20 things in this photo. You actually train yourself to be able to extract information that isn't always immediately obvious to you. Because sometimes you can be working um, with not very much information at all. So every little bit you get uh, can be really helpful. So I just want to say thanks to both of you, Stephen and Lizette, for sharing. You've shown us a lot of really cool ways to find stuff. Um, just for the audience, if you want us to do more of these, please put in the comments below. If you want me to like travel to interesting places and use that as photos, let me know. Thanks to both of you. I really appreciate you sharing this and hopefully we can get you back soon. You're welcome. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you.